Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where maybe it bears repeating that we're discussing the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 103rd and 104th episodes in the series, Sick and Tired, Parts 1 and 2. Super famous. I I love that we're starting again with a double episode. We just did a double episode. I know. Uh, Moving into two parts all the time. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It's kind of like interesting back to back. But obviously we're, we're here at the start of the fifth season, which is so wild. Um. And we are, I mean, this is, this is like a, a famous episode for a million reasons. I absolutely love this because it balances in the A and B stories, one of the most serious and like heady and basically political, especially from that time and especially today in the medical community storylines. And then one of the most hilarious and bizarre and like bonkers storylines. Yes. Uh, one of my like big takeaways from rewatching these that parts one and two is how funny this, this episode is. And it's, <laughs> yeah. I would say it's one of the, like it, it definitely sticks out to me as like being very funny consistently throughout both uh, parts one and two. And yes. obviously the Blanche storyline is hilarious and like, wild and and rude as such oh we'll get to it but like that scene you know can't wait to talk about so good but also there's a lot of funny lines like even within the chronic fatigue syndrome story yes Uh, so what's interesting is that you know we're we're in season five we've got new writers in the writer's room it's sort of like a new regime of sorts and susan harris had been away for a bit but she actually um came back to write this two-part episode because for those who don't know Susan Harris was actually afflicted with chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and she, this is, this is a real story <laughs> that she wrote yeah. because of her actual experience. So obviously, you know, she related the most to Dorothy in terms of how Dorothy would have handled the situation and how she would have, ex- um, you know, expressed basically her frustration and just the whole journey that Dorothy's on that we see in this episode, you know, she used her as a proxy. Um, and Susan Harris actually commented that, she had to almost um kind of curtail herself a bit and watch herself as she wrote dorothy's final speech to dr bud when she's talking to him in the restaurant because susan harris basically was like i was so much angrier than dorothy was you know or at least you know in terms of what you could express on television at the time but um but yeah but i mean it's it's really fascinating of of um this is such an interesting, you know, it's such an interesting sort of disease and just metaphor for just medical issues in general. But like Susan Harris actually went through all of this and brings this incredible, honest weight to it. And I, I think you're yeah. right. It's like the presentation of it, of just how funny it can be is just, it's genius. I mean, <laughs> we've seen it time and again with this show, but adding humor to these very serious storylines reminds viewers why they engage with the show so it never at least well i mean i I can't say it never feels preachy because certainly we've talked about the preachiness (laughs) of like brother can you spare a jacket and other things like that that feel that way and obviously if i wasn't as politically aligned with the girls myself i might feel that it was too preachy in terms of people being more conservative but the humor is there to remind the viewers of why they watch the show it's a sitcom first and foremost and the, the way that they weave that humor into the seriousness is just it's perfect it's perfect yeah yeah and I think that um you were saying that she used Dorothy as a proxy and I think that what like another part of why this episode is so significant is because 
like these are real examples like yes um susan harris has talked about how uh many doctors told her to see a psychiatrist um and also a doctor told her i think literally to color her hair to like change her appearance um and i think that knowing that it really happened to to somebody makes it maybe a little bit more um you know it's obviously it's punchier and it, it feels heavier and things like that um but I think we as a society are much more um, both distressful and also like post pandemic, um, you know, very thankful to the medical community. Um, but I think, you know, at the time, the idea that like a doctor would dismiss you because you're a woman was still not super. Um, and I would say, you know, it's not universal now either, but um, you know, I think it was a relatively new idea. And I think about um in Mad Men, uh, which is in the um, the sixties, Don has a conversation with his wife's therapist, like regularly, to like basically mm-hmm. check up on her. And you know, it's like she's a child, and oh, I yeah. feel Pretty like that. Up. Yeah, exactly. And that all sort of still there's some hangover of that culture in the eighties and and early nineties. Um, and that's what this is: is like, oh, yeah. like you know, yeah, sure, you're sick, but like you're lonely and you're sad. And my yada, wife yada. became a blonde. Exactly, she's a new woman. <laughs> seriously so and then, then b arthur addresses it directly at the end i suspect had i been a man i would have been taken more seriously right and, and how I therapeutic think... for susan harris to have that delivered oh, you yes. know she, probably, she never oh got God. to say that i'm sure she never did and actually in the in jim colucci's golden girls forever uh she's quoted in there saying that she had to really watch herself when she wrote that dialogue for Dorothy at the end because she was so much angrier <laughs> than she actually than Dorothy actually was but of course like you know be delivered it beautifully in this pointed and very serious way without actually raising her voice which in, in a way you know as many young children know is even scarier when someone is yeah. methodical <laughs> and calm and angry at you um it's it's more not threatening but you know it, it it'll sink in more yeah uh, it if, feels if you... more emotional i think you know, or yes. like you know a different kind of emotional exactly um, so yeah. what's interesting is you know b arthur had already done the abortion episode in Maud, and she actually is quoted as saying basically like this was kind of almost more low key you know she was she was basically saying like she was familiar already with like a pushback medical kind of storyline um going against the grain as it were uh so i think you know she was she's obviously comfortable in this particular role for this episode because she's fucking B Arthur, but, but like even more so because she kind of had already been through the ringer with this, you know? So she right. was, you know, a thousand percent on board, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it, I think that in addition to B Arthur sort of being the, the, the one to have the illness, yeah. they do such a good job with the placement and um, the portrayal of the other girls and their emotional response to it. Because like with Sophia, we see that her predominant emotion throughout the whole episode is concern. Um, and I think that it's demonstrated through a lot of sort of like subtlety. You know, she has that really, really heartbreaking line at the very end of the first episode where oh my God. she's like, you know, Dorothy could be dying and they just don't know it. It's so sad. Totally. And, you know, Rose is comforting, not smart, which I feel like is is right. And Blanche is yep. like, kind of concerned but is also really wrapped up in her own stuff like you know when uh, Blanche is like 
I know you're sick. You tell me all the time. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so funny. It's just like such a, I just like, you know, it's such a, um, uh, a nod to Susan Harris as being a great sitcom writer. In addition to yes. sort of being like a crusader for, for this, um, this disease, like, you know, and the representation of, of women and how they get treated medically and all of that. It's like, it's just, again, like so funny and each of the girls are just placed so well. Um, I think this is a really, like, maybe one of my favorite episodes when I was rewatching and I was, I was thinking. Like, you know, how, again, we, we talk about all the dated elements on this show sometimes, but nothing in this entire situation felt dated. <laughs> like, it was yeah, perfect. Yeah, I agree. Everything about it. And I think part of that is also, you know, we'd be remiss to not speak about our interview with Dr. Elizabeth Yuko in which she, you know, she, she got really personal with us and she told us her story about getting um, long COVID and being dismissed by doctors because this was a new thing and no one believed her that no, 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 COVID only lasts, you know, 14 days or so or whatnot. And like, she was going to, you know, doctor after doctor, and basically was only asking for what Dorothy specifically was asking for, which is like what, you know, what she says at the very end um, to, well, not actually the very end. She says the very beginning of part two to Harry, where she's like, how come you know that and they don't, you know, like how come doctors can't just say, I'm sorry, I don't know. Right. Right. You know, like what is about that? And I, I mean, obviously we could really, we could have this be like a four hour episode to talk about why actually in the way that people <laughs> learn in the medical community and the way that our fucking country shut, set up, et cetera. But like, that's what she was asking for. And I think it's so fascinating, the parallels of what we're literally going through now as a country and a world with COVID being, you know, it's a coronavirus. It's a known thing, but this is a new one. This is new. And everybody is experiencing it in the medical community at the same time as patients are experiencing it for the first time. So it, it really has a lot of incredible parallels. So I just wanted to, to call attention to, you know, Dr. Elizabeth Yuko and thank her again for sharing with us um, her situation. Cause again, you know, 30 years later, same shit. Yeah. Yeah. And she also, the way that we came to uh, Elizabeth Yuko is from her Ted talk on bioethics and the golden girls. Yes. And she talks about this episode specifically because like bedside manner and the way that you treat patients I think is such sort of an odd component of being a medical professional but it's such an important one you know like you can be the best scientist in the world but if you can't talk to a patient in like a patient nice sort of tender way then I don't know that you can necessarily be the best doctor in the world right and like that's part of what this is and also like it's some sort of self-referential thing like you were saying like you you cannot possibly know all of the ways in which humans can be afflicted with viruses and bacterial infections and things like that and to just admit that you don't know but also maybe to try and treat the symptoms even though you don't actually know what is causing them I actually think that we COVID initially sort of required that of of the medical community and I'm sure you know there will be some studies on like the um you know how COVID-19 has changed the way that doctors and and nurses and medical professionals work um and obviously you know like it was an incredibly traumatic event for them as well but I think that the challenge of having people coming in and your your goal is just to stop them from dying even though you don't know exactly what's going on um on this scale like you were saying it's just so different and i feel like dorothy you know they as um 
Dr. Chang at the end says like no one has died from it, but we can try to treat your symptoms or like manage your symptoms. And like, that's the, you know, like that's sort of the victory in the end because she's not cured and she's still sick, but she's happy. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. You're so right. And I think, you know, what's interesting when you were talking about like what, when a, like, a doctor can't possibly know everything, right? Even if you're like the most brilliant doctor. And the thing, the reason behind that, there are so many other reasons, but it's because we don't, we use like a, you know, white cis man as like the example of how diseases interact with quote unquote humans. When we actually don't do enough research, especially into women and how women experience things differently. I mean, even in, you know, the past couple of years, there's been a lot of discussion about this, especially about like, Women, you know, we were always taught like, oh, your left arm hurts. That's a heart attack. Well, that's yeah. not how it presents in women a lot. The like, bubble. That's, that's yeah, <laughs> got a bubble. But that's, I mean, that's fucked up, right? Like, it's the same thing with like crash helmets and, and ratings and like weight limits and all of that stuff. It's not actually judged against a woman's body necessarily or a person, uh, you know, of Hispanic descent, for example. Like there's, there's so many different, issues with inequality in in the medical system so it's like you it's it's not it's not a it's not like an admission of a doctor to say like i don't know it's also like we don't we don't even have data on this like we don't know as like a collective medical community and that's okay you just have to be human like you said it's really yeah it's really an interesting conundrum (laughs) yeah and actually so according to the cdc Chronic fatigue syndrome affects women um, four times. The ratio is four to one of of how it affects women to men um, currently, which is like the most updated study. And so like, you know, that to your point is like why they weren't really looking for it. And also why it was so easy to be like, just, you know, dye your hair or like go on a diet or something like that. would never happen if it was exactly if it was four to one men to women never in a million years yeah exactly oh my god talk about parallels to what else is going on today that would never happen if men i were know afflicted. you get an abortion in an atm <sighs> yep exactly. get pregnant. thank you Beep. moving um, on <laughs> moving on anyway um uh, one more thing before we actually you know start the episode <laughs> where exactly are your loins <laughs> <laughs> in her case the same thing um <laughs> so i want to also talk about so we also spoke with um miles martin um another scholar and jared clayton brown miles martin also specifically um both of them call out this episode but miles martin talks about um his paper is talking about addressing issues of gender stigma and illness on network television (laughs) so obviously he really goes into the sick and tired storyline here and you know brings up all these things that we're talking about of just like how especially you know, with, with uh, correlating with the B story, which we'll get into, <laughs> like talking about how when they're making the joke about when Blanche walks in looking like shit, <laughs> they're like, yeah. send her, they believe her. It's like, these are the sort of things that women have to do to sort of get taken seriously, right? They have to adhere to the stereotype of what a male doctor, male um, medical person is going to think is like, truthful i guess so anyway it's really interesting and i just i just wanted to to shout out all of the scholars who have looked at this episode because obviously it's it's really it's still relevant today and it's relevant not just with women but with black people being taken seriously with fat people being taken seriously like all of these things are they're so intersectional and they're so overlapping with just the way that we 
teach the medical community to interact with patients. So yeah. anyway, it's totally. wild. It's wild. Oh, <laughs> so brother. should we talk about Blanche's burgeoning novelist career? Yes. Peacock. <laughs> peacock? Why Peacock? Peacock's shriek. <laughs> I don't find Peacock so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Peacocks really do shriek. Um, yeah. They're, they're really loud motherfuckers. Um, anyway, so I... Blanche has been carrying this book, this teal book, uh, or not teal, seafoam green book for a long time as like an (laughs) accessory. And like zooming in on it a while back, I was like, I think it's Lady Chatterley's Lover. Wow. By D.H. Lawrence. And I read Golden Girls Forever, Jim Colucci confirmed. It is. Wow, look look at that. Yeah. That's an eye for you. I mean, there you go. I was trying to find that exact copy on like, you know, a books or something like that. Ex Libris. But I'll have to, (laughs) I'll have to see which paperback edition. Anybody out there has the seafoam green version that Blanche is carrying. I would love to own it. Um, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it's just really great. And I love the whole vibe of Sophia when Blanche like has this epiphany where she's, you know, talking about talking to her mom and she's like, Sophia's like, she'd lie to you. So you finish, finish high school so so matter of fact we've obviously seen this attitude with Sophia um with regards to like Blanche's fanaticism before but it's just she's so over it even before the conversation already starts and it feels really appropriate like at season five like at this point in their sort of relationship that we get to see that it's just it's perfect yeah and you know like Blanche's ambition to write a great southern novel is so out of nowhere and you know when she has that conversation with rose at the end and she's like i thought i'd be special but of course i've always been special because of my looks it's like that's blanche this is like a short-lived ambition that she wants to do but because she's on it now it's like nothing has ever been this important and nothing will ever be this important to her (laughs) and sophia yeah just like doesn't have time for it rose is just like so naive and tries to support it but then like you know she too gets frustrated with blanche because she keeps going talking about minnesota and lots of lakes (laughs) and nice pale people like it's just it's so so, i drowned myself (laughs) i love it oh my god it's so good but I love that they the, the what does tie it to um to Blanche specifically, which they don't talk about except at the very beginning when she's having this idea, is that it's a romance novel, which I do think makes a lot of sense. You know, where she's like, you know, how many times I've experienced that. <laughs> like, she's so it's just perfect that that is what she is going to like commit to the page. You know, yeah, totally. And obviously, like the best. You know, I mean, God, I can't pick a best line of this episode that's how hard it is and that's how fucking funny it is but like right away of like i shall become a great southern writer carrying on the tradition of the other great southern writers like all those who are so famous right, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of the laszlo like if she can name you know uh two yeah. other Hunga- hungarian sculptors of any time i shall eat that statue it's just such a great blanche cover oh my god yeah and then like when dorothy's like remind me when i feel better to kick the crap out of her because blanche (laughs) is like you're fine then okay like you know like it's so good oh god 
I also love when she, first of all, when Dorothy makes her appearance, her season five hair looks great. You yep. know, there's a lot of, you know, social media posts throughout the community of how people mark um, what season they're on when they just see an episode quickly by Dorothy's hair, which I yep. think is great. English <laughs> lawyer. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think she looks great. I mean, despite yeah, having does. chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, I also totally forgot the line where she's talking about having like, dismiss her class early which is so oh, sad right so it's like sad. really intense um and reminds oh. me of covid fatigue and she's like they were too busy sniffing the white out they'd stolen from typing <laughs> such a thing though remember that the bad kids would be like huffing white out and like, absolutely sharpies? and sharpies yeah don't forget yeah. about the big old sharpies which i think were even more toxic than so than stupid <laughs> so stupid i do remember um you know, way back when we were even younger, we had the sort of like the uh, the scented markers. Oh, love those! And like, but it was like so, it was like encouraging the absolute wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, people like, just like you can stick them up their these, nose, but don't Crazy. sniff yeah. the other ones. <laughs> yeah, we really uh, that was an interesting choice. By oh my god, seriously, the schools <laughs> kids are weird. Anyway, um, but yeah, so. So anyway, we move into Jeffrey Tambor. We, yeah. we see, we see, you know, Mister Arrested Development here, um, which he says in Jim Colucci's book that that that's where he actually meets Mitchell Hurwitz for the first yeah. time, who of course was the creator of Arrested Development and a writer on the show, yada yada. Um, but as we, you know, as we see, and as you mentioned before, like Dorothy is fucking funny when she's pushing back against him, you know, where she's just like, I don't care if it's the King of England or like. <laughs> When she goes, maybe it bears repeating. Like, hello, yeah. you know? And, like, the mix-up about the name and who he thinks she is. It's, like, that's all basic classic stuff that happens every single day, right? And to your earlier point, it's really about how a doctor handles it. How a medical professional handles it. Like, yes, charts can get mixed up. Yes, there can be administrative issues, right? And things like that. You could think that she's not Dorothy's born egg. But, like, don't be a dickhole. <laughs> right. Apologize for messing oh, up. And like yeah. when he's like, if this was win, lose, or draw, I draw a crown. It's really <laughs> funny, but like nobody fuck cares. And like that's the thing is like he he's also just so dismissive when he's like, oh, yeah. I don't believe you're sick, but you do. Like totally. Ugh. Oh my god. It's really it's really one hundred percent tip top mental yeah. <laughs> love <you>. that. <laughs> But it's really great. It's really great to see. And again, you, you alluded to this earlier when Sophia is like kind of breaking down at the end of the first part, but like she is fighting for her daughter, right? This is yeah. like, this is Sophia being funny, but like it's really powerful to see her not mocking Dorothy, understanding that she's actually really sick, right? Like, and like, not only does she believe her daughter, like she's going to fight for her too. Cause she knows that other people are being dickholes. So yeah, it's really yeah. nice and refreshing. I, I have that in my notes too. Like Sophia can tell Dorothy is sick. And I think that if you were, um, you know, I think from the beginning, you kind of trust Dorothy because also like, she, as we've said, like she always plays sort of like the straight male, yeah. like the level headed one, like, but even if you had some, I don't know, reservations or something, I feel like Sophia wholeheartedly believing it mm-hmm. makes it even more certain that she's actually sick. And I was thinking like, you know, obviously it would be awful to be Dorothy, but 
it might be worse to be Sophia. Like when she's talking about how like this perfectly healthy woman is now like oh, yeah. away and like it would be so frustrating if you saw somebody that you loved who was sick and just like could not even get someone to believe her, especially if it's your your kid. Like I, oh, yeah. you know, I I could just imagine like the like emo- emotional turmoil of Sophia. And so I feel like she she has these little glimmer like these little like um instances of addressing it but i think she really it, the breakdown at the first at the end of the first part i think reminds me of also after when phil dies and she's like my baby is gone you know it's so sad totally. um it's just like I, I think you're right like her not making any jokes at dorothy's expense is a real sort of like for for people who know sophia and who know their relationship um i think speaks a lot to the seriousness of the situation yeah absolutely absolutely and, you know, now that I am a parent myself, I'd absolutely say that, yes, it's worse to have your kid be sick and yeah. you're not being able to do anything about it. So, yeah, it's it's messed up. Um, but, yeah, like it's I just I really love that whole through line of Sophia until and we'll discuss it later until she gets super racist with Dr. Chang. Yeah. But um, it's like the only low spot. In this I was with episode. her right up until the end. <laughs> yeah, she, once again, she had me in her corner right up until the end. <laughs> but anyway backing up so we <laughs> we've got rose in very cute overalls or like a, a a jumper of sorts i couldn't tell if they were shorts or a skirt but it's like a denim overall set and she's like cooking out on the lanai and it's adorable and <laughs> i love like you know Dorothy sitting there where rose is just like the tragedy yeah <laughs> had a barbecue like, and they don't love that tragedy. Have to ask. No, we don't. She'll work it in anyway. What tragedy, Rose? I can't talk about it. Good, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really uh, like epic. You think that that's the funniest part, and then Rose. Co- I mean, I'm sorry. Blanche comes in and says, "Girls, I've writer's block. It's the worst feeling in the world." And then <laughs> Sophia says, ten days without a bowel movement, sometime." <laughs> And then again with the beats, the following beats, like the uh, the crowd laughs so much, and she's like, "You just sit there, hour after hour after hour." <laughs> Tell me about it. I I distinctly remember watching this episode on television, and that being my absolute favorite. Line. I just had to like pause, you know, the TV when I could pause the TV on Lifetime, <laughs> like um, to just laugh forever I mean, it's, it's hilarious and the audience line. like it's so good because like I think that they start to laugh when Blanche says you just sit there hour after hour like it, it builds yeah but then Sophia when comes in she's like tell me about it. it's like <laughs> what a slam dunk it's like it's you know, literally it's a slam perfect. dunk exactly and the way that um they're not especially Sophia's not looking at the camera right like they're and it's the same as like Dorothy being like I guess we have to ask like these the 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 stage direction of like the actresses looking in certain places make it funnier like the visual effect of like saying an aside comment and not saying something directly but sort of muttering it to the air like just gives it so much more humor than it would be if like Sophia looked at her directly to say these things right but she's actually pouring water like you know she's got like it's it's just it's an aside comment where she's just basically talking to herself um and it's uh it's just absolutely genius it's very realistic i think like yeah like oh my god this again (laughs) totally (laughs) blanche you have to have written to have writer's block otherwise all of us have it (laughs) (laughs) 
and then Blanche and Rose both look like incredulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Blanche is just like so I feel like she's such a good um I don't know if you'd call her a villain, but like foil in this episode. Yeah, because foil. When they're talking about going to New York and she's like, What a waste. Rose, Rose Island, Island in New, New York. York. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's a writer's city. <laughs> so great. Oh, big my potato. Gosh. The big potato. Oh my god. Um <laughs> so, so anyway, getting to New York, right? So we see Dr. Bud, and it's like it's funny because Dr. Bud is even more of a dick than yeah. Tambor was. Like he so he's like, you know, the whole like, well, you you know, if you wanna keep doing this, spend more money, fine. But like Dr. Bud's like not a hard question. Like, what a butthole. Like, I oh my know. god. <laughs> so Take a ridiculous. cruise. Ugh. But like but what's so funny is that, you know, now in hindsight, you're like, okay, well, if if Jeffrey Tambor was a dickhole, then probably his, like, buddy was not a good recommendation. Right, exactly. But and that's like, he's a neurologist, which yes. is interesting, because then eventually Harry sends her to a, uh, Dr. Shang is a virologist, a virologist, and I feel like that is another, like, I don't think I ever noticed that before, but when I was watching, I was like, okay, so, Different like, specialists. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, yeah Exactly. And but like, but again, that that being the the client's responsibility, like the person's responsibility, who's not the medical professional, you're like, what do I know what I need? You yeah. tell me, you know, like, what's the difference? It's really, yeah, it's really fascinating to like, be like, oh, of course, you know, the neurologist couldn't tell you. <laughs> you're like, I, how am I supposed to know that? Like, this is not my responsibility. <laughs> you're supposed to tell me what's going on, you know? Right. Oh and, and like to Dor- what, like as Dorothy confronts him in the restaurant, like instead of saying like, I don't know, this doesn't seem to be neurological. Yeah. He's like, you don't have anything scientific. It's yeah. so dismissive. And it's oh, yeah. so just like not considerate at all of the fact that like she is sick. Like even if he even if he didn't believe it. Right. Like even if he thought yeah. it wasn't um, physical, the lack of sympathy or empathy for somebody who feels bad is oh, yeah. I know. so so present you know and it's just like that for any person but particularly for somebody in the medical profession it's like that's a huge blind spot well I think that that's part of the essence of Dorothy's speech at the end where she's like I don't know where your doctors lose your humani- humanity but you lose it and I think like that is so interesting from the point of view of like we all like and this is no slight to doctors at all like we all know they work hard they see people who don't believe things especially today like i can't imagine being a doctor today and having like a vaccine that works and then having people die of covid and like continue to deny that like healthcare was available for them and you know like i just i can't imagine not becoming jaded in that you know in that like scenario right so yeah. it's like so I, I get the jadedness, but to your point, every single person that walks through the door, every single patient is an individual and they are not carrying the weight that you're carrying from all of your past patients. And you have to basically act like it's the, you know, the, the absolute um, first person you're ever seeing, right? You yeah. almost like refresh yourself, which is really, really fascinating. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's really, it's, it's just, it's just an interesting dynamic with him and uh obviously we see his comeuppance at the end yeah <laughs> for the yeah. Whole, this entire thing doctors don't know everything after all <laughs> dr <laughs> seuss was a doctor too 
<laughs> I, I just, I giggle every time, obviously, and I'm sure you do too, as someone who lives in New York City, where Rose is just like, I don't know how people live here, darling. Yeah, or when she's like, room service, this seems to be full of mistakes. For example. A small like... glass of tomato juice is $6, the way she right. laughs at it. Oh my god. Hilarious. But yeah, I mean... And that, that's an amazing one, too, in terms of the blending, the seriousness, and the humor, right? You have Rosen Island in New York, and you're like, oh my god, like, I, every time that scene comes on, I'm like, we only get two funny lines about it, and like, I really want a whole episode of Rose interacting with New York City. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, it'd be so funny. Oh my god. But like, when Dorothy just starts losing it, it's like, I, oh god, I lose my shit. I mean, my... I, I like I'm the kind of person too of like when not that things are over or like done with in this scene at all right they're not that's the whole point is like she thinks that this is the end and she has no resolution but like I absolutely can relate for being like having being like calm and cool and collected until I reach like a cliff yeah. and then just absolutely losing all of my shit <laughs> you know right. in terms of like seeming like I've got it together and like that is to me like Rose is just talking about her fucking day and like Dorothy's just she's she loses it. It's yeah. like it's so sad. It's an amazing it is sad. scene. And I think it's also really um really supports the case for Rose being the one to go with her because yes. Sophia I think would be too upset herself and I think Blanche obviously is not comforting enough. And so like Rose, you know, and Rose doesn't even want to talk about her day but she just only does cuz Dorothy sort of steers her that way, but she immediately kind of snaps into this like super nurturing super supportive and like kind of like smart you know like wise yeah. a little bit being like you know they don't know everything and like you're obviously sick and like I think she just is exactly what Dorothy needs in that moment um and I think that is why Dorothy decided to ask Rose to come with her um yeah. and it's a really really sweet scene especially because like you know Dorothy and Rose obviously ha- are friends and have a have a relationship but we don't see a whole lot of like one-on-one friendship Your moments way. with the two of them and it, it's a really nice it's a really nice one I think yeah it's beautiful and like I I think we even talked about that too where you just like having pairs of the girls that are not as often seen is always fun right it's yeah. like playing the characters off in a different way um okay so <laughs> actually so they get we get back to watching the miami scene right where like (laughs) with hans and franz (laughs) oh my god they were a year apart in school he stayed Um, in (laughs) holy shit but like then like this this is again like on the same path of like the the same old stories get more and more bizarre there's like a rose literally tells a buried alive and a suicide like a live suicide in front of people cemetery story like it's actually really since the grave was still open (laughs) he shot himself right then and there you're like wait what the fuck yeah it goes off the rails it goes absolutely off the rails but it's funny because you're so taken in by the way betty white tells it and like the way that like saying all of stories usually go and you're like as if it wasn't bizarre enough to say that like you know he stayed in (laughs) for a while yeah and all all of this is is because of like Blanche's mention about how like it's like giving birth it's just like an analogy that just like takes it off like bizarrely and (laughs) it's just I just wanted to know that it was literally about like being buried alive and a suicide yep (laughs) in public (laughs) holy shit oh my god anyway 
So part what two. Part, part two. two. We get to see uh, Harry. This is the first time we actually really see him. Well, I mean, the first time we definitely see him like as a doctor, doctor, proper doctor in like his office, which yeah. is really interesting, right? Like he certainly has come over before and had Blanche like be like, oh, I'm not feeling well or whatever. But yeah. like, it's really interesting. And Matt Browning talked about how this, uh, the woman's from Nurses, right? Yep. Park Overall. Yeah. yeah the whole, <laughs> there's something about doing it in a public place, kind of like sex. Maybe where you come from. Yeah. She's so great. Um, she's such she's a great, amazing. uh, used so well the scene. And the, the set decoration is really, um, really well executed too. It's like such a kid's doctor's office, like with the Play-Doh, with the ta- the small little table, like it's oh, yeah. always all around, you know, it was very like, I feel like it, it reminded me of my pediatrician when I was growing up. Yeah, very, th- very well thought out, you know. Um, it's, it, I just, yeah, I really, I enjoy the whole scene. I love how he uses humor because he knows it'll work with Dorothy where he's like, I'm afraid you're going to, afraid so, you're going to die. It's like, sooner yeah. or later, I guarantee it, you know, <laughs> like, but just like, I love when he's like, just because the doctor has found something, you know, hasn't found something doesn't mean there isn't something there. And like, she says, are you serious? In this way where it's like, that is the most basic statement ever, but like no one has gotten to that point with her yet. And he says it as an aside. He's just like reading her chart. He's just like, well, obviously, whatever. Like, and she's like, wait, really? Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's such a testament to what we were just talking about earlier of like that bedside manner is so important because the smallest little phrase that's seemingly so innocuous can completely change someone's outlook, completely yeah. change I have their that attitude. Exact in my notes. Yeah. It's incredible. Yep. It's incredible. So anyway, it's just lovely as as goofy as Harry is, like he not only obviously connects her with Dr. Chang, but like he is the one that turns the tide at the very beginning of this portion of the episode, you know, of the greater episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like it, it's a good mix of like funny and also like tender. Like they're also like they yeah. have real good chemistry, um, really good chemistry, um, Dorothy and, and Harry, um, as friends, which I also think is really yes. um is really nice because like you know how often are a heterosexual man and woman just friends with no weirdness on tv and like there's no there doesn't seem to be any um you know like hangover about that like any sort of like creeping in of attraction or anything they're just good friends and he just like cares about her and um i think like you know the scene with the kid is really funny too when he's like this is a proxy (laughs) this is a proxy (laughs) so good (laughs) Um, and it's a really good start to the second part of the episode, like you were saying, because then, like, you know, it goes into <laughs> the scene in the kitchen. It's just, like, so good. It's just, like, it's I thought we could do the, the homeless. It's so funny. <laughs> good. Give it to the homeless. They'll die of heart attacks. They won't need homes. <laughs> <laughs> Your heart is in the right place, Russ, but I don't know where the hell your brain is. It is absolutely genius like the jesus christ and like we talked about before where she's like wipe wipe off your makeup like you look too healthy she's like she should go they believe her <laughs> what day is this what day is this i mean this has to be it's off the fucking hinge it has to be like one of my top three golden girls moments of all time it's amazing I absolutely love this scene and it's like i totally feel like sophia where she's like i hate to go <laughs> I've never, I didn't leave. I've never seen a show like this before. Because it's really like her look like hands, her looks, her delivery, the physicality. It's not good. I'm hallucinating. It's, it's unparalleled. Ever, man. <laughs> he cut off his hair. Maybe I'll cut off mine. 
he cut off his ear. Oh, I have too many earrings. Like, but like honestly, if you've spoken to a really drunk person or like someone who actually is like Blanche, like super just exhausted, one, it's like the same thing. Yeah. So it's so perfect, and two, it's like just like how frustrated roses you know where she's just like honey like what yeah. are you doing? you know and i also love when um you know dorothy's like rose make her lie down you know like basically being like i i i have to leave right now but like you need to take care of this yeah <laughs> i tried you try <laughs> um, i also love so much when, when rose is like i hope you find something wrong with you just <laughs> i haven't been wrong all along totally. and then blanche is like was that a poem yeah, poem. It's so funny. Oh my god. Yeah, this Have a good time, Dorothy. Buy me a present. <laughs> People oh. from Minnesota are honest. They don't lie. And you think once Dorothy and Sophia leave that it's over, but it's not. To your point, like she's just like. <laughs> also, it's like it doesn't even make any sense. But you know, where she's like, Rose, you have to read this, you know, and she's like, of course. And then will you sleep? She goes, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> To sleep, a chance to dream. My God, what a wonderful <laughs> life! It's like, it just keeps going. I, I literally, I cry laughing. It's a every great. Time I, see it. I know, and it is longer than you think it will be, but yes! like it works. It totally works. It's just incredible. But anyway, I mean, literally, hats off to that scene. Little balls of sunshine in the bag is like one of the funniest fucking parts ever Absolutely. of, of so this good. entire show. So it's just, I'm very proud. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but it's funny because then of course we go from like the absolute best part, in my opinion of the episode. And then the worst part, which is this terrible Chinese racism with, um, you know, uh, Dr. Chang, where you're just like, and again, no. I, at this time, not known enough of just like, she's like, no, what? Like, it's a compliment, right? And like, that's totally something that like someone of Sophia's generation would say. She's like, no, I'm just saying like everything about the Chinese, your hair, your food, you invented pasta, blah, 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 you know, and, and ask you about MSG. And you're just like, oh my God, like you have no idea how offensive this is. I know. And he plays and was... it super cool as he has to. He does. Yeah. And I, um, I was thinking about it this time watching it. It's like so frustrating because this is such a nice, a good scene. Like it's so, yes. you know, he's such a good doctor and it's such a powerful moment when he's like, I think you have something. I think it's like, a, you know, something that like thousands of people have. It's just yes. that we don't have a name or whatever for it yet. Um, and I think that Sophia needs to be there, I guess, for like the comedic relief and like to break it up. But yeah, I mean, they just, it's, everything she says is racist and um you know like every single time there's somebody on the show who's not white that's the joke it's like lol they're not white can you believe it um and so yeah it's just like such a bummer because this is such a powerful moment when dorothy finds out she really is sick and like someone believes her but you can't even really feel it because you're just like oh okay and now there's a comment about checkers and now there's a comment about like fun cows and like ugh. It's so like bad. it's good. I can still feel it because it is that powerful. Because, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The emotional power of hearing a phrase like chronic fatigue syndrome, it just sounds official. And that's the that's the whole like my daughter found out she had a debilitating disease. Like just giving it a name. It has a name. Like that's what Darth is saying at the end of like, I'm not crazy. Right. And it's right. like this, this is important. But yeah, to your point, it's like it's just so distracting. You just want to be like, shut the fuck up. My God. Holy shit. Poor Dr. Chang. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's it's really it's really important and really impressive um, that 
of the way he handles it where he's like and he, he's very diplomatic right where he's like unfortunately some of my colleagues <laughs> they can't yeah. see it under a microscope and it's like that's a really diplomatic way of saying that everybody else would be really dismissive but, yeah and it just but, you know he's a good doctor and he's yeah. like a very like calming presence i think totally what i think that's interesting about this episode is that like susan harris herself like it portrays dorothy as actually having the means to fly to new york to see right. a specialist to constantly gather these opinions to have conversations with people so that she can get different names she can end up at an <clears throat> excuse me a neurologist's office and a psychiatrist's office and another psychiatrist's office and a virologist i mean the, there's so many right. access points that she has but the, the the greater implication of this entire episode is like what i was saying before you should you should have interaction one-to-one with the doctor that you first interact with and they should have this exact same reaction as Dr. Chang where it's like, maybe I don't know we're going to find out for you, <laughs> you right. know, or to your point is like, we've tried our best to find out we're going to treat the symptoms yeah. regardless. And I think um, it's just, you know, I, and Susan Harris is quoted in golden girls forever. Again, she's saying like, what I have had a reaction to many times, not only in the medical community for America, but just like any fucking anything in America, which is like, if me, a person who has time to spend, has money to spend and has access to all these things, if I'm struggling, what the fuck is it like for somebody who doesn't have the means to do so, you know? And it's really, it's horrifying to think about. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder she can't afford that $400 champagne. (laughs) Also, first of all, no one on a budget would ask for the best you have. Come on. Come on. I know. Give me a fucking break. It's champagne. Okay. It's not like the best pasta. Yeah, exactly. You didn't didn't ask for like the lobster or some shit like Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. But anyway, before we get to the champagne though, the, the sort of summary of, the Blanche writings. Oh yeah. What goes. else is there besides love and kindness? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad I can scream. <laughs> like I think I, I laughed all the way to the bank. <laughs> but like, oh my god! Like again, Rose is the comfort here. We don't get to see her being as fierce. We have Dorothy's obviously the star. You have Sophia being fierce and standing up for her daughter. You do have Rose as the comfort, and she gets the, the humorous like bit. But like. And then Blanche just has her own entire B story. So Rose is really like, she doesn't get to be quite as forceful um, in this episode, except at the end when she gets completely irate with Blanche and she's, you know, without farms, you couldn't eat without eating. You couldn't diet without that. What would you do for the rest of your life? So snarky and so amazing. And you're dying. And then she comes in. Was I harsh? Yes. (laughs) Faceless for Christmas vacation. It's so Minnesota. It's It's like, it's incredible. That's who she is incredible but i'm I'm just so glad she gets that sort of um passion right because yeah, like the I rest agree. of the time she hasn't had a moment of passion i think that that's also why this episode feels so incredible and i'm just kind of realizing now it's because everyone in this episode is so passionate about everything i mean dorothy is you know obviously passionate about finding out what's wrong with her but also righting the wrong of the injustice that she's received as you know she's been pursuing finding out what's wrong with her and you know Sophia is passionate about defending her daughter making sure that her daughter is not only not sick anymore the ultimate goal but obviously getting the help that she needs and deserves and then 
you know, Blanche, I mean, well, Rose, Rose obviously has her passion at the end as we referred to it, but like she is passionate about supporting her friend and she understands there's a lot of that emotional tug of how, you know, she, she recognizes like Sophia that her friend is hurting and this and is not right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Passionate about lakes. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, and Blanche is, is passionate about, you know, her new pursuit. Um <laughs> even if it's just her hallucinating and, and being bizarre uh, in her, in, in looking at egg yolks. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely totally true. And I mean, I think like, you know, that carries on to the last scene, the very last scene um, when, you know, first of all, what are the odds of Dr. Bunny eating in the same restaurant, but fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I'll but take it's it. just like, it's so, it must've just been like, I keep coming back to like how, therapeutic it must have been for Susan Harris to write these words and like you were saying oh, yeah. she was so much angrier but just like when Dorothy says like you didn't have the answer and that and instead of saying I'm sorry I don't know what's wrong with you you made me feel like I was crazy and like that is just so that's it that's the summary yeah, and it's just exactly. such a you know a moment and then the audience claps and it's just like how satisfying that confrontation is um and then you know i think they do a good job with like swill like they the, the kind I of know. cutting it at the end if you insist <laughs> <laughs> but just like so much power in yes. dorothy's words and b arthur's delivery and also dr bud the actor is very good he just kind of sits there and, and he tries to interject but then like of course his date you know intervenes and it's just like oh God, his wife yeah shut up lewis <laughs> it's such a powerful it's like women hooray <laughs> totally i can't do this in a restaurant good but i will yeah I mean, that uh, is just because the good line is all he gets in to be a dick yeah. again and like oh so great it's so, uh, great. so good what an episode i know it's what a amazing. season seriously i know and talk about like a debut that really is so powerful so um yeah it's it's uh it's literally it's i i never really considered because of the sort of you know, very special episode nature of this storyline. I I never thought hard about it to include it in any of my sort of like top ten lists or something, but it's absolutely up there for yeah. for both the the like actual the justice sort of storyline and the social commentary, but obviously just for my absolute favorite jokes, scene with yeah. egg yolks. <laughs> Egg yolks can be so fucking funny. I know, what a prop. It's so great. Uh, all right, that was a doozy. So are, yeah. are we good? Yeah, I think that's it. All right, everyone, join us next time when we're going to discuss the best way to pep up a slow day. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>